All right, beer is open. Here we go. Very cool. It's it's uh, seltzer water. Oh dang! Got me excited. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're back with another episode of the One Thirty Two Breeze Podcast. As always, this is Marlo joined by Casey. Man, Casey, man, we had a weekend that just passed us. Yeah, it felt like a little bit of old times um, in that we had some actual sports-ish stuff uh, to watch, to follow. Sports Um, debate. Was that a high? Yep. Yep. New things to talk about. Uh, That was great. And then we had uh, the the Jordan doc, which is just fantastic. So it was uh, a good weekend. And, you know... It was more kind of throw, not only the weekend, but throughout the week, knowing I had we had that to look forward to, right? Knowing we had the draft coming up, knowing we had the documentary, um, you know, it was one of those things you kind of put in your mental schedule and thought, I'm looking forward to doing this this weekend. And to be honest, we hadn't had that in a while, and it was great to to have that back. Yeah, it was glorious, 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 glorious NFL draft, the last dance, beautiful weather in Wisconsin. It yeah. just, uh, it all came together. Was it nice weather? Uh, whatever. It was, nice weather. it was nice today. It was nice today. It was nice today. And it went up and rained a little bit, but that was fine. Um, yeah, we had it all. So let's start with the draft. Um, that is actual sports, <laughs> actual things happening. So let's start there, Marlo. And I guess let's just start talking about kind of the viewing experience or the production or, or, or whatever, what it was like to watch the 2020 quarantine NFL draft. Yeah. Um, I had, especially for the beginning, I got one word for it. Mm, corny. Mm. <laughs> hey, when Peyton Manning came in with the We Have Hope, there was not a dry eye who was watching my iPhone um, and listening to it on their headphones in my living room. So That's fair. But much like I mean, it was obviously a different viewing experience. Yeah, uh, that we have for this one. No live people. Uh, We got people on Zoom. We got Goodell in his living room, which I don't believe is his living room. This is basement. His basement. Excuse me. Yeah, still don't believe it's his basement. And um, yeah, it was. It was different. It was different. But there's some things to look back on. Yeah, I was looking Uh, at his basement, and I was like. Is this? I guess I didn't realize I was doubting it was his basement, but I was kind of like looking at like you know the the wood background, and I'm like, is this something somebody who makes like sixty million dollars a year? Is this what their <laughs> basement looks like? Just, or, did you notice like the jar full of M and M's or Skittles that was just? Yeah, there? I mean it was very staged, and I was just like, yeah. something like the, this is obviously staged, and I couldn't put my finger on it. Maybe it, that's what it was gnawing at me that that it wasn't his real. His real basement. Now I feel uh, lied to, Marlo. I don't know. <laughs> Roger Goodell lied to you. Weird. Yeah, huh. <laughs> Very so, strange. I guess, b- before we get in, we have a lot of specifics I want to get into, uh, including the basement. Yep. Or, um, But I guess I wanted to start out by saying, I think in general, we'll get into some issues we have, but I think kind of the, the tech side, the Zoom broadcast, Goodell coming from his basement, some other things that we'll talk about in a moment. Um, it hit the right note as far as how to do a draft during this time. Like I thought it, it did the right amount of 
we're all alone or we're all kind of doing telecommuting. We're all doing this differently too. And that kind of was reassuring as a viewing audience. Yeah. I mean, all in all, it wasn't, it wasn't, I don't know what kind of expectations I had, but all Mm -hmm. in all, it wasn't bad. Like it was put together rather well Mm -hmm. for what we had, you know, for what we had to do. Obviously it was different than the New York city halls or the Vegas or Mm -hmm. wherever, wherever it was supposed to be. Um, but I guess, yeah, I guess overall it, it went off pretty well. And like the things that didn't go well, I almost appreciated. Like normally, if you're watching ESPN or you're watching, you know, uh, some live events and something goes wrong, you're, you kind of roll your eyes and be like, come on, you guys are professionals. But like when things didn't go wrong or they cut away from somebody when they were in the middle of a point, like I almost appreciated it because they're figuring this out on the fly, kind of like all the rest of us are. So from a general note, I thought that was pretty neat. Um, but let's start. Uh, we started talking about Goodell. Yep. Let's talk about the. Uh, where do you want to start with Goodell? We talked about his basement. Um, yeah. Do you want to go with the wardrobes? The, the wardrobe yeah. changes. Yeah, yeah. So he started off in a suit, right? Yeah. He started off in a suit, and it wasn't. I don't know. More than three picks before he's like, I need to get more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Just changed it up on everybody. Yeah. I mean, it was fairly early. It was fairly early on. He changed it up. Uh, he went from the suit to like, I think it was a sweater. Yeah, just a sweater and jeans. I <laughs> uh, just needed to cut, just need to get a little more comfortable. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that was strange. Know. The cameras were getting a little warm in his basement. Or something. I don't know. He had a sweater on, and then by the end, he's just like holding up the cards as he's reclining in his chair, and just like, you know, and the Cleveland Browns like ah, who cares? Whatever you can read it on the screen. It was like a real like. It was really interesting, and they tried to make him relatable. It, yeah, uh, they definitely tried that. Um, I don't know. I, I've gone back and forth because, like, at one time I kind of rolled my eyes as it was happening, but like at the same time, I was like, again, I, I just maybe I was just like re- trying to relate to this more than than I, I should have. But I was like, yeah, this is me watching the draft. First <laughs> round, I'm taking notes. I'm going through it. Let's go. Second round, I'm like, okay, I'm here. I'm here. It's on. And then you know third through seventh or, or whatever i'm kind of uh, it's on in the background it's you know whatever so i was kind of mirroring goodell and i, I thought that was kind of cool um but did he you mentioned him them trying to make him relatable do you think he yeah. came off uh any more any more relatable no i i don't <laughs> not with the wardrobe change it, it was he was close like i felt like he was close to the line of like he he was teetering the line of like not trying enough or trying too hard and then <laughs> he started he went right into too hard trying too hard mm. you know and that's i think that's that's where it got me uh yeah and also like he tried to take the power back from the booze yeah i didn't i didn't appreciate that no uh i thought it was fun <laughs> i thought it was, it was lame like it didn't yes. work like it <laughs> but but like i appreciated the effort and i was like as somebody who would not handle being booed very well um <laughs> i appreciated him kind of being like trying to take that back and it was just really just the idea of him being in his supposed basement and like egging on the fans on the zoom thing who probably can't see him um (laughs) but he's like come on i can't hear you booing come on and like this very monotone roger goodell voice it was so terrible i loved it (laughs) so bad it's good it was yeah i I guess i just I just, I mean, I, you know, hopefully next year this is live and I hope those boos are so loud. Um, 
You mentioned the fans <laughs> yeah. on the Zoom. Yeah. So I'm going to get your take on this. I was watching okay. with um, a watch party on House Party. Great, great app. Uh, I didn't even think to look on that. I downloaded it and everything. I didn't even think about it. <laughs> but um, so they had, you had all the people, like they had like 20 boxes or whatever. We had a theory yeah. going around that those were just the same people and they just changed. They everything. just changed the outfits? <laughs> they just changed the outfits. That would be really funny too. I mean, something with face paint. It'd be hard to change the face paint, but you could change some some of the outfits. Yeah. Um, but what'd you think? What'd you think of just having like a screen, a TV screen, like with twenty boxes on it of people? I again, uh, my expectations I think were very low for all of this. Um, <laughs> I thought it was it was a way to at least get some sort of like fan involvement. It was a way to get like, hey, look, it's not just people talking about these Pixar's, these fans out here who are reacting and they were just kind of yelling and doing the number one, you know, hand sign and stuff. And like, it wasn't really meaningful, but I think it added like a, a kind of connection to the fans that otherwise wouldn't have been there. Um, and I think everybody's made this joke, but the fact that the chargers had lots of blank boxes <laughs> was, was absolutely hilarious. Um, and again, it was just a, a little nuance, a little nuance that was nice to, to, to kind of try and connect it. Uh, I was not aware of the application process, though, to to be one of one of these people. Right. Um, was there like an email that went out, or like how did how did this happen? Because yeah. um, I felt spited. I felt like I should have had a shot. Like I should have been on there. I'm not going to say I had a shot, but like I would at least like to know what the criteria and process was. <laughs> Uh, which I'm sure is Googleable, and you're able to find out. But I felt like it should have been like broadcast. It should have been like a way to try and engage people. But like, hey, you can sign up and try and be part of this thing. Maybe they were trying to keep it a secret. I don't know. Um, but I felt like it could have been a way to try to engage people in the draft. But um, yeah, it's new. neither here nor there. I think yeah. you would have to be like a fifty to one favorite to be selected to be on the camera over me, I think. Like, the chances of us <laughs> being on there. I think 50, maybe 100 to 1, uh, more likely that you would be you would be on the camera. Um, well, all right. Uh, the one complaint. Have we complained? I guess we complained a little bit. Yeah, we've complained quite a bit. All right, fine. The main complaint yep. I had with the general production viewing experience of the draft, way too much tugging at the heartstrings. It seemed like every pick had, which, to be fair, these things did happen to these people. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not trying to minimize some of the th- situations and trauma that they went through. However, <laughs> that was what the draft was about. More or less, every pick had a... Yeah. It sounds rude but a sob story to it no. and it was just like I'm excited for their future I'm excited for this oh but their their uncle passed away when they were young some were yeah. real close but some were a little bit farther away yeah I, it goes I mean I didn't realize this was uh, I guess I should have known but so different broadcasts right which broadcast were you yeah watching? oh yeah yeah um, so I didn't realize there were I knew there were multiple broadcasts but I didn't kind of like go through them to see which one was which. So I just stayed with the yeah. AB, ABC broadcast, which was the main one that was kind of promoted mm. uh, to me when I went when I went to watch the draft. 
yeah. um so, so with the with which was the college guys the college game yeah. day college folks. game day guys college game day uh, cruise abc yeah espn so i started in abc pretty little like a little before pre-draft decided i couldn't do it went to espn they had like the the, the crew i'm used to right trey wingo you had uh mel kuyper uh they did not have um mel kuyper's foe Todd McShay. Todd McShay. Uh, he was Todd McShay. He has coronavirus, so he couldn't. Yeah, brutal. But they had everybody else. They had the whole crew. Booger. They even brought over Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Warner and Irving from NFL Network. Oh wow. Uh, so anyway, so that's so I stuck on that, and I agree with you. And I thought it was just the ESPN. I almost changed it away from it because it was like every pick, and it was right away too. It was like, you know, they do the music, do 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 do, and the highlights. And yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like. It's a good thing he got picked because da 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 passed away yeah. and went da 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 da. And I was like, man, and it was every single one. It was it, like they yeah. dug up a so, like a like you said sob story for every pick. Yeah, and I think, look, if if these things happen to to individuals and they overcome adversities, I'm not trying to take that away from them. But like, it just seemed like that was the centerpiece of everyone, and it just kind of got overwhelming, uh, overwhelming after a while. It's interesting that you said that you were more familiar with the the NFL folks cuz I was watching the college game day folks and I was more familiar with them. I I don't watch I don't watch much of uh NFL coverage on on ESPN. Like I don't I don't do NFL live. I, I don't watch that, but I watch like college game day and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like I was completely fine with uh the folks there and, and that felt more comfortable to me. It's interesting that you kind of uh, felt that way with the with the NFL folks. It was an NFL draft, right? So it yeah. makes sense, right? That that <laughs> it, you would want to be listening to them. But I didn't think twice about uh, it being, you know, the college game. I'm like, oh, these people who cover college athletes, and this is a a, a draft. It made total sense to me. I didn't even question it. Um, were there other broadcasts out there? There was the NFL Network. That was the other one. Oh, um, well, who was even on that then? I, it was like I, Deion Sanders. Yeah, I think Deion. I don't even. Know. I haven't heard anything about it. Or maybe it didn't it's, happen. Maybe I'm just kidding. And just ESPN and ABC took it over. I just knew those two were they were they were definitely on. And because if they got those other guys onto the NFL one, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, who's you got Rich Eisen? I guess right. He's on NFL. He's I mean he's yeah. good, but yeah. I mean Dion's not digging through and <laughs> knowing who all these these guys are. Give me a break. Speaking of, speaking of Dion, have you seen his Santa beard? No, I haven't. He has a Santa beard going on. Yeah, Dion has a yeah, he's a peppered Santa beard. Crazy. I couldn't recognize him. Tough times. Yeah, quarantine, tough times, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to other parts of the draft. Uh, let's call these highlights. Let's call them talking points. I don't know. Whatever. Um, I guess more or less the top, what would you say? Seven picks, ten picks. Either. Nothing really interesting happened. Right? It was. Yeah. Pretty uh, much. I'm trying, I'm trying to go to where I want to say the cutoff was for nothing interesting happened. Um, I think you. I think the first kind of interesting. Wow, I didn't see. I didn't see that coming. Was uh, the Raiders? Um, so that was pick twelve. So I'd say the first twelve. Ah. Uh, the quarterbacks kind of went where you thought, where they thought they'd go. The other picks went where they thought, and then linemen are linemen. I don't know. Like the fact that Andrew Thomas went fourth to um, the Giants instead of Christian Wirfs. Who went thirteenth? Don't know. <laughs> Don't know. It, they're offensive linemen. I can't really. That doesn't. 
I, I can't dive that deep. But so let's say position wise, everything kind of went where we thought or where people we thought people would go until Henry Ruggs was selected by Alabama, the first wide receiver off of the board. And um, I think a bit of a surprise <laughs> that he was the first wide receiver. But Marlo, uh, we all know why mm-hmm. he was the first one off. It was the Raiders, and he was the fastest. <laughs> you could change the coach. You could change the city. Sometimes you just can't take the Raiders out of the Raiders. If there's a yeah. fast ride receiver out there, man, you have a good shot. I still remember when they drafted uh, Hayward Bay. Yeah. And I was like, what? Because... I remember like him scoring touchdowns at Maryland and stuff, and I remember him. I was just like, "What?" Right. And, and this it was had like a, the draft report was that he only knows one route and can only yeah. run one route. Yeah. Like that was the analysis, and they're like, now, "Yes, I like that route. The one yeah. route's good." Yeah. Now I don't think that Ruggs is necessarily uh, a stretch as Hayward Bay was, but it, he was a first round talent, but not the number one wide receiver in the draft talent. So I think that was where. Things got started to get a little bit, a little bit interesting, a little bit um, entertaining as far as uh, differing from kind of what would you expect, what you would expect to happen, kind of mock draft type expectation. But not only did Ruggs kind of surprise by <laughs> being the draft pick, I think he had he had my favorite uh, kind of uh, zoom what, on camera. Um, Situation because he was full on Las Vegas already, showing up to the draft in a bathrobe. Yeah, man, just just straight chilling at home. That, that took me for a surprise because I was like, "Is that a bathrobe, or is that some like strange clothing that I am too old to know <laughs> about?" Too, you don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then yeah, they was up and walking around, and they're like, "No, that's a bathrobe." It's a bathrobe. He's <laughs> <laughs> just, just hanging out in a bathrobe. Um. So that brings me kind of the draft room. So we got kind of in-room um, access to a lot of the prospects. Actually, a lot more than I... I mean, they went well into the later rounds, right? Yeah. With, with people having kind of this setup. And I think that kind of... Well, one was needed, right? Because they obviously weren't going to be there. But uh, I think we got to see more kind of those second, third round players' reactions that we wouldn't have normally gotten to see Uh in this situation. So I don't want to say it's a positive, but that was interesting. Um, as we're watching it go on. Uh, so the next one, the next interesting thing was another wide receiver, CD lamb fell to the Cowboys at 17. Um, and he had a quick little, I don't know. What would you say? Situation happened <laughs> where, <laughs> He had two phones. The whoever, I think it was his girlfriend sitting next to him had took one of the phones and he snatched it right back from her. Give me that phone very quickly, and that was kind of an internet uh, went viral, as they say. These again, uh, it seems weird saying that that these days. That was interesting. I don't have anything to add to that, but I just <laughs> want to say that one. <laughs> hey man, these, yeah, these people, they're these kids, they're people too. Can't People just go too snatching their phones, uh, but the in the in home kind of checking in on the living rooms I thought was was really cool. Uh, you had a lot of different situations, Marlo. But what was your favorite part about kind of 
checking on these these prospects living drafting so these living I've, rooms. Yeah, my favorite part was so I think there was a, there was some mandate that went down. Like you cannot have more than like ten people in the camera shot, right? Yeah. Which usually I would be code for you just can't have ten people in your room in your house. That's I mean that's the big thing, right? Um, yeah. I think we joked. I started joking one that like if you saw Burrow, his like his, his like curtains were all closed around him, and it was probably because there's like yeah. hundreds of people outside of his house just waiting <laughs> to party. Um, and then there was definitely. I wish I I don't remember the names, but there's definitely play of people who had like eight or so people in the shot. You could tell that there was people kind of hanging off to the side, just like hands and limbs moving to angle or in another room, yeah, like coming over to get a shot and like poking in from to, the other room. <laughs> yeah, people telling to move out. It's like there's clearly a party about to happen as soon as these cameras go off. Um, and I just thought that I chuckled to me because there were prop bets out there, and I don't know if this messed it up. But it was really prop bets that were yeah, how many people in a room. Uh, I was gonna see, or most people in the room. That's what it was. That was that was going out there. So that made it entertaining. I thought. I think it'd be most people that get caught in a room yeah. on camera. Yeah. Um, I don't know if limbs count. I guess. Yeah. That would be that would be the issue. Um, other one I liked got your involves your boy Darren Ravel. Oh. And did you see this? He is narking on uh, Sean Payton. Okay. So. Like the NFL sent out uh, a memo and said you can only have you know X amount of people, ten people, whatever, uh, in the room uh, on, on camera. Uh, you can only have NFL licensed or sponsored products. Ooh, in the room. Sean Payton had like six. Okay, six might be at least three. <laughs> competitors so he had like a dr pepper instead of a coke and he had like Ooh. twizzlers instead of mars candy or something and like yeah darren Ravel went through it and and said this is owned by this company which is a competitor of this company and called thanks sean, Pay- sean payton out on it um which he probably did on purpose <laughs> I mean, probably like, screw these guys i'm putting <laughs> twizzlers on the table i'll show them <laughs> Uh, so that was my my favorite part of well it wasn't really part of the draft uh, draft rooms but uh, a fun story out of that so let's go move on to the coaches GM yeah. rooms Marlo yeah for the most part it was just they're in their living room on their phone they have the computer next to them or they're in their office on their phone and have the computer next to them that was the most part but we had a couple couple coaches GMs that did it a little bit differently and let's start with the most bizarre which was Mike Vrabel. <laughs> yeah. He had, uh, it was apparently all his sons who were losing their minds because of the quarantine. That was his uh, reason or excuse later. One was dressed up as Mr. Freeze <laughs> from The Incredibles. Another one, I forget what he was dressed up as, but he looked ridiculous. They all looked ridiculous. And they're kind of like standing around this Titan's backdrop. And it was so weird. Yeah. Um, Dead still, just like a statue. With, yeah. with the camera in there. And then Vrabel just acting like nothing's going on. Everything's fine. One of them Nothing. looked like they were on a toilet. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's, what's happening here? And Vrabel's just like lounging, drafting drafting players. Uh, my favorite one, Marlo, was Mike Zimmer, who just, if I envisioned <laughs> what the living room of the Minnesota Vikings coach looked like. <laughs> yes, it's true. He f- just nailed it. Huge fireplace, deer heads on the wall. He right. has a big uh, 
what do you what a heap of chew? What do you call a, a dip? Big dip, dip of chew. Yeah. Uh, in his mouth during it. I mean, it was like this is what rich people in Minnesota <laughs> do. Yeah, and I I, it's fantastic. I still don't even think that's Zimmer's house, but I think he nailed it. Unlike Goodell's backdrop did, like he nailed it. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> like he got it. He hit it right in the head. Not too much, not too little. <laughs> but like you said, just a rich guy in Minnesota. This is what you get. This is what you get. It was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next weird one. Uh, well, one. So it's combination. I'm doing this in combination because it just I the combination of these two men. I cannot get over. Still, <laughs> it's so weird to me. Mike McCarthy, Jerry Jones. Uh, Mike McCarthy. I think streaming from his phone. <laughs> like, I think he. <laughs> He like he was on House Party, Marlo, not sponsored. Yeah. That's like the fifth time we mentioned it. Although we mentioned Zoom the whole time, but we don't. What's the word for whatever Zoom is? Video conferencing? That's too yeah, long. We'll just say Zoom. It's, yeah, just say Zoom. All right, but he like it was so close in on his face. He had to be ho- this on his phone, holding his yeah. phone. I can't it understand. Was so close. It was it was a typical like. When you call like your parents or your grandparents and they try to do it and they just like put it up to their face. Yeah. And they're like, hello. <laughs> and it's like below their face. And you're like, it's yeah. just like, like, yeah. like, I can't see you. This is pointless. <laughs> <laughs> just, just call me on a regular call. <laughs> just voice. Just voice, please. Uh, so he was trying to figure that out. Maybe his head's just that big. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, combined with Jerry Jones on his yacht on the a couch that would fit. It was. A, Across I, two I, rooms in my house. Yeah. When you, when it first came on the screen, what was your first thought he was actually in? Because I thought of a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Jerry Jones was in space. I thought he just had like a, I thought he just had a studio in his house. And then they're like, he has this weird like movie room or whatever that he turned the couch around in. And then they're like, oh no, he's on his yacht. Like, that makes more sense. <laughs> It's like a section couch on his yacht that he's hanging out on. Yeah. Uh, and just his kind of like assistant holding up the phone to him. And I don't know if it was assistant. The, the no, woman that like was his, there with him. Oh, no, that's his sister. <laughs> that was his sister? I don't know. Okay. He's like the head of marketing. Um, <laughs> uh, then like his nephew is like, I think that's his. And they're all just kind of like helping him kind of figure it out. It was yeah. so weird. So weird. Um, that's his sister? In the, on the yacht? Yeah. 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 Yes. Ah, okay. All right. Head of marketing. I didn't know. From with. <laughs> didn't mean anything negative towards her. I just <laughs> didn't know who she was. All right. Um, all right. Uh, that, those, those are mine, Marla. Do you have anyone that you. Um, uh, yeah, I mentioned Vic Vangio. Yeah, your boy. Uh, yeah, my boy. Clearly doesn't under like this is the old guy who doesn't understand the internet and what's going on right now. <laughs> he like set his camera up to look directly at his monitors. This is so like not NFL coach. I don't even know how this happened, but it's like directly at his monitors. He could clearly see what everything was on his screen. And I think they only showed it once because of that. They're like, we're just gonna help this guy out, and never show him again. But I thought that was kind of ridiculous. He was probably just resting it on the fanny pack. <laughs> and then it like fell over and it was showing the monitors. Yeah. Um all right, last thing I got on the on the GM rooms was the just kind of generally misplaced back walls or backdrops yeah. of the team, the team logos and stuff. Cause you would see they'd have it behind it, but the camera was off to the side. So you'd see like part of it. And it just seemed like 
very thrown together and very like, oh, well, we need a backsplash for this guy. We're going to put it here. But the camera isn't where it needed to be. That was hilarious. Um, all right, last. That's all I got on, on Coach's job tomorrow. There was a lot of um, bring your kids to work day. Oh yeah, this draft. A lot of kids in the, a lot of kids in the war room. In the the uh, I yeah, a lot of kids in the war room. Uh, as somebody who I I I, I don't know why I was going to be like as somebody who is working from home right now. Lots of people are working from home and are dealing <laughs> with this. I can't imagine them being being involved in a draft. It has to be such a stressful situation in which you're trying to figure out kind of the future of your franchise and who to pick and have kids around during this. It just baffles me. I can't even have kids around when I'm like barely thinking and putting together a report, let alone this kind of situation. But they're there hanging out, being in the background. Uh, maybe that just shows that it's not as stressful as we tend to make it out to be. But I would think it should be um, the draft, that is. Uh, a lot of kids, yeah. And the, and the um, Packers GM kid had one of the all-time greatest uh, reactions. Did you see the screenshot of this? No, I did not. We'll talk about it when we talk about the Packers. That's just a little okay. foreshadowing. Uh, remind me if I don't think of it then. Um, all right. Last highlight I had, Marlo, uh, the Jets offensive tackle, uh, who, who they drafted, who I'm bringing up his name here. Um, right now, I swear I'm bringing it up. Here it comes. Um, pause for dramatic effect. Makai Becton. Yeah. From we Louisville. All, we all knew it. We all knew it. I just did. I was escaping my, my memory at the moment. Uh, was asked about going to New York. He said that he had never been to New York, but knew some of the all-time Jets greats like Brett Favre and LaDainian Tomlinson. Nice. Nice. <laughs> and I was like, That's fantastic. Fantastic. Fa- that was uh, my favorite quote. Speaking of that guy, I think this is the same guy, but it doesn't matter. There were <laughs> are, there was a kind of a lot of high school basketball tape during this yes, draft. this was it was the <laughs> same guy. His first, I wrote this down, but I want to bring it up because it happened again. His yeah. first two or three highlights were basketball highlights. <laughs> yeah, and he wasn't the only one. I mean, no, yeah, that's why I didn't bring it up. Like, yeah, he was like three hundred some pounds, but yeah, that was his. There was a lot of high school basketball tape going on. I yeah, I, I felt like that was the first time I've seen that much. But did you know, Casey? Yeah, Tim Leonard, our defensive coordinator, once won a slam dunk contest. I heard that. I heard that before. Uh, I did know that it's um, that's why he was drafted. I think I think that's why he was drafted. Um, yeah. yeah, there was a lot of basketball highlights. It was very weird, and especially concerning when that's the first highlight. Yeah. <laughs> now I know he's an offensive yeah. lineman, and like how exciting are offensive lineman highlights? Really, right? right? True. I, True. So I guess that's to be fair a little bit, but. Nonetheless, that was their yeah. go-to, like, first three highlights of him playing basketball and being yeah, but relatively like a athletic. S- a safety or a receiver, it's like, or even a DN, it's like, okay, I get it. They were athletic. Like, no way. They're in the NFL draft, and they're athletic and could play other sports in high school. But Yeah. I did. I saw uh, a highlight of uh, UCLA defensive back. I don't remember who it was, but he led the team in interceptions with two. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Nice. Hopefully, hopefully tied for the lead. Uh, otherwise, that's tough. It's tough year for UCLA. I know they uh, had did have a tough year, but um, all right. So that's I guess our general thoughts, Marl. Let's move on yeah. to some Badger takes. There were four Badger, Badgers drafted, uh, and uh, Chris Orr signed with the Panthers right after. So let's talk through the five 
the Badgers who have moved on to the professional ranks, starting with Jonathan Taylor going to the Indianapolis Colts in the second round. He was the third, fourth, fourth running back. That's crazy. I think, I think that was the wildest. I don't know if it was wild, but most surprising he was a, thing. He was the third running back, excuse me. The third, third running, back. running back. Yeah. And, I mean, to be said, I thought if anyone was going to go above him, it would be JT Dobbins. And I, that was interesting as well. But, um, yeah, I think we, we talked about it. talked about late late first round, early second round. That's, yeah. what, that's what everyone talked about. I thought there was a chance they would take him uh, in Kansas City for another weapon, but he probably doesn't didn't show he can catch out the backfield as well. Yeah. But with that said, I, I believe I talked about it. Maybe I didn't. But I think, you know, Colts aren't a terrible, they're not in a terrible situation. They're not a great team, but he's not in like a terrible situation, which I believe can have him strive very well in like his first couple seasons. I feel it's like a good landing spot for him. Yeah, I think so too. It seems like a well-run organization uh, for the most part, aside from driving out there, you know, franchise quarterback to retire early. Uh, they finally have a good offensive line and I think yeah. uh, possibly the best in the NFL and for him to go to a team that has that good of an offensive line, I think it will be great for him. A great, I think it's a really good situation for him. Uh, from a fan standpoint, it's a team I don't hate. Yep. And probably won't have to cheer against. So I was very excited to, for him to go there. My um, brother-in-law is a Colts fan. So he grew up in L.A., so he's just like a random fan of things. Like he's a Yankees fan. He's a Colts oh, fan because he liked Peyton. You, you know what I mean? You just yeah, pick yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, and a Lakers fan because they were winning like Kobe. But because um, L.A. actually has a basketball culture. <laughs> I'm like, who's <laughs> um, So he's uh, a Colts fan. So uh, that was kind of cool for personal level for, for him to go to the Colts and be like, hey, I'm going to root for your team in the AFC now, probably. Um so that was, that was that was pretty neat. I think it's a good situation for Jonathan as well. Um, going back to the two running backs who were picked before him, Clyde Edwards Hilaire out of LSU was picked in the last pick of the first round by the Chiefs. I feel like this is a he only goes ahead of Jonathan Taylor if he goes to the Chiefs. Like I feel like this is just like a quick shifty guy that the Chiefs will be able to perfectly utilize that other teams wouldn't. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, no, that makes it the fit. It just fit better. And then DeAndre um, Swift. Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, DeAndre Swift then went to uh, from Georgia, went to the Lions. <sighs> I don't want to. That was expected, I guess. And I honestly didn't realize he went to the Lions until right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, I knew, but I was reminded. Um, so that uh, was expected, I guess. Uh, and then Jonathan went only six picks, six picks later. Uh, and to your point, uh, J.K. Do- J.K. Dobbins fell all the way to being the fifth running back taken <clears throat> out of Ohio State. He went to the Ravens, which is just a fantastic yeah. spot for him and doesn't yeah, seem that fair. Was, that's not fair. Um, with Cam Akers from Florida State, who I forgot about this last year, um, going going ahead of him to the Rams, who I'm not used to looking at their, their logo their yet. Their logo. Yeah, not used to it. Yeah. Um, well, people say that. Uh, people say that JT knows that turf very well, so he should be in a good spot. There you go. There you go. He has played there before. Um, hopefully, he wins more games than the past couple of times <laughs> he's been there. Uh, but I, overall, I was really excited for him to go 
early in the second round. Again, we were hoping he'd go higher, but I was excited for him to go in the second round. And I'm excited for the fit. I'm excited for my kind of fandom um, that I, I don't have to really root against him and we'll be able to root, root for him full steam. Like, if he went to the Lions, that would have just sucked. Yeah. To have to, you know, root against him and play against him twice a year and just generally not want him to do well would have sucked. I would have wanted him to do well, you know, uh, whatever. All right. Uh, moving on. <laughs> We'll talk about it because another uh, another yeah, badger yeah, did yeah, we'll go to the lines. All right, Zach Bond fell. Yeah, fell to uh, the Saints in the third round. It was the end of the end of the third. Uh, sorry, excuse me, beginning of the third round. Tenth pick in the third round. Zach Bond goes to the Saints. Um, I'm surprised he fell all the way to the third round. Agreed. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know. I'm surprised he fell because he was suspected to go much higher. I don't yeah, know I, if the whole the whole getting caught at the combine fell that much. Obviously, and I think this might be one of those things where, um, you know, COVID goes against you, where you have something like that happen and you can't go on your little tour to to kind of explain yourself, right? Yeah. Um, as well, so I don't know. I'm just obviously clear speculating, but that was just my take on it. Uh, just based on where he was at before before the draft and to fall like that with no explanation, really. Yeah, uh, I, he was. I saw some drafts where he was sneaking into the first round, uh, but seemed like a solid second round pick, and I just was surprised that he was still on the board going into the into the third round. Um, didn't last long. Went to the Saints. Uh, I guess I know less about the fit on the Saints than I do uh, for Jonathan Taylor, but uh, I don't. I, I I guess my my take is I'm, I'm I don't want to say disappointed, but I'm surprised he fell. Uh, when he got drafted, they talked about him being a bit undersized, and uh, that surprised me because they're like, "Oh, he's really thin," and he did not seem at all undersized in any game that he played in college. Uh, so I don't see that being an issue for him. And that seemed to be, at least on college game day, uh, the negatives they were talking about. And I, t- I definitely did the whole like uh, kind of um, hometown fan thing where I'm like, you're not saying anything negative about these other guys. <laughs> and then I like was like, well, let's listen to the next one. The next one, they're like, oh, we have com- some concerns here. I still think they were a little bit harsh on him, but I was like, you know, oh, they're calling out our guy saying uh, negative things because it was Herb Street talking about it. So like, he didn't say this about the Ohio State guys. Uh, but they were they were given in the second in the first round there's no negatives right there's maybe yeah. a little bit of concerns but you get in the third round and it's like oh let's bring up why he you know might not have gone higher um all right uh, next next one marlo uh coming off the board uh <clears throat> center replacing travis frederick frederick following in former badger footsteps tyler Biedaz from wisconsin going to the cowboys fourth round 40th pick in the fourth round, so that must have been the compensation pick. Um, gets a chance to be a part of a good offensive line. There Tough shoes to fill, but a chance to be a part of a good offensive line on a really loaded offense now. Yeah, great pick. I mean, replace one badger in, another one badger out, another badger in. I think it's uh, safe to say the Badgers own Dallas offensive line. There you go. Sure. Jerry Spaceship. I'm there from the spaceship. All right. Uh, last Badger picked in the draft. This one hurt Marlo. This one hurt my yeah. feelings. 
Uh, actually, every wide receiver that was picked in this draft was like a small little like stab <laughs> to my feelings. It hurt. And there were a lot of them picked. Um, none of which to the Packers, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, Quintus Stevens going in the fifth round, uh, 21st pick in the first round, first round to the Detroit Lions. Yeesh. It's tough, man. It's like, you know, you saw, I think I first read that he came off the board and then you, you your eyes gaze a little bit over to the yeah. Detroit Lions. It's like, yeah. damn. I, 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 it's like, I'm going to be happy for you right now. And then after that, we enemies. It sucks. Twice <laughs> a year. Going to see you. Going to have to yeah. root against you when you're not playing. It's just, this is the way it is. Yeah. Uh, it's going it, to, it's one of those, I'm going to want him to catch all the touchdowns, but not against the Packers. Uh, <laughs> and have them be all the touchdowns and none to anybody else. Uh, I think, look, I think the Lions got a great wide receiver. I think he was, um, should have gone higher than the fifth round. Uh, obviously, big Cephas fan, and I th- obviously, you know, biased, but um, expect good things out of him in Detroit, which kind of sucks. But um, yeah, that's that's where we're at. Hope he does well, but not against the Packers. Just when he went to the Lions, I was so glad that Jonathan Taylor went to like the Colts or somebody <laughs> in the AFC that I don't think about. That one, that's the thing. Like, even even go back like Melvin Gordon going to the Chargers like okay cool I would like the Chargers to do well now that's that's fine with me you know kind of the Broncos but eh, whatever um God the Broncos all right uh, getting Drew Luck that help Drew Lock that help that was the big thing they were getting yeah. getting him help getting him all right last Badger uh, Chris Orr did not get drafted surprisingly to me um, and I think to a lot of Badger fans a lot of um, Drafts had him going in those later rounds. Um, and again, as the Packers didn't draft inside linebackers that they needed, they did get one on him. So we'll talk about it in a second. Um, went undrafted and signed with the Panthers. Um, obviously, with Keekly retiring, not that he's going to replace Keekly, uh, but they have a need there. Uh, he can provide some depth there, and I think could be a very serviceable NFL player, especially for a undrafted player. Yeah, I think it could be one of those good undrafted stories uh, that that go forward, especially in a team like the Panthers. Um, well, actually, they changed head coach, but who cares? Uh, <laughs> they still got the they still got the pieces together uh, for him to be, to be able or have the possibility to be able to contribute right away. Yeah, and I don't. Maybe it's just my 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 bias. Um, but all these, I mean, it's definitely my bias, but all these Patrick players just seem like they are like ready to take the next step and kind of like they're, all of these teams are getting professional players, right? Yeah. Yep. Players who are ready to come and contribute to their team on different levels, but like players who will, there's not questions about work ethic or uh, fitting into a scheme with, with any of these players. Um, so, I, I don't know. I'm really proud of the, the crop that we got to cheer for this this last year and, and them going into the, into the NFL. I'm excited to see what they can do. Uh, and with that, Marlo, let's talk about things I'm not excited about. All right. What's that? 
the Green Bay Packers Ooh. 2020 NFL draft. Is that right? You're not that excited? is right. Let me get hold on. Let me get my rant sheet open. Oh boy. Here we go. All right. Get your popcorn ready, folks. I've tried. I've tried. Uh, I don't Let's tamp down the expectations here. <laughs> All right. So uh, obviously the Packers made the the biggest story, the biggest move. Maybe not the biggest, the most unexpected move of day one of the draft, or probably the whole draft, trading up from 30, 29, 30, 30, to 26 to draft mm. Jordan Love. Dang. Quarterback, Utah State. Um, obviously, this is drawing comparisons. This is mirroring. Not even drawing comparisons. This is mirroring the Rodgers-Farve situation. Uh, back at the beginning of, of Rogers' career, where he fell, kind of, it's well, it's being depicted, portrayed as that. It's being portrayed as that that the Packers are just doing this over again. They know how to transition from quarterback to quarterback, uh, which is a bunch of baloney. They got very lucky and figured, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, this is and Rogers fell into that. Um, so let me start by I shouldn't have gotten a Jordan. Let me start by this. The draft is very much about balancing improving now versus having a future outlook, improving your team for the future. There are picks that are like win now picks, and there are picks that are like, hey, we need to think about what we're going to be like in three to four years. Yep. And a good NFL team will balance that. They'll be like, sometimes we need to go for a player who is more ready now, who will fit a need now. Sometimes we need, can add depth or think about what we need in three to four years. The Packers <laughs> tipped that balance and, went and just said, F right now. We need to build from the f- for the future. There's no other way to look at this draft and think that. Um, obviously drafting quarterback number one, they drafted zero wide receivers, which if you go back to last week, you ask any Packer fan what the number one thing they should draft in this draft, they would say wide receiver and inside linebacker. They drafted inside linebacker very late. They did not draft wide receiver. That's criminal to this criminal strong. (laughs) That's unfair to this, to a win now aspect for a draft for win now, a draft for the current team, it is ridiculous that they didn't draft a wide receiver. They went full in drafting for the future, which is feels I'm I'm using such extraordinary verbiage here. Feels insane for this team. We have a 36-year-old quarterback, which is which I guess you could then argue like, yeah, well, maybe you should get another quarterback. But it's 2020 in the NFL. Like 36 isn't what 36 was back when Brett Favre was 36 and threatening to retire for three years. Um, they're coming off a 13 and three season in the NFC Championship game. You could argue, hey, they're not that close to the 49ers. There was a huge gap in that game, and really the only reason we were anywhere close to being in that game was surprise Aaron Rodgers making ridiculous plays in. Our front office just went full rebuild mode, and I it's it's unbelievable. Um, because we should be in. Let's try to maximize Aaron Rodgers. 
tail end of his career here. Uh, so uh, let me. So that's overall. That was overall. Uh, wow, that was long. Um, <laughs> going back to the, I want to go back to the uh, Favre Rogers for Rogers to Jordan Love comparison. Um, because I don't think they're that. That's kind of everybody says like the, this is what the Packers are doing. Their franchise who knows how to do this transition and. I mentioned earlier, one no, I think they just lucked into it, and ha- Rogers not even close. Favre was doing the whole will he, won't he retire thing for years. A couple years before they drafted Rogers, and then finally they got, the Packers got sick of it, saw Aaron Rodgers was good enough, and moved him on. Aaron Rodgers, while being a difficult teammate, while probably being a difficult head of your franchise to manage, hasn't done a similar, like, wishy-washy I don't know if I'm gonna play he's gonna come play is he gonna be you know the easiest to work with no but that's a different thing than what Brett Favre was going to Brett Favre had offensive weapons he had Donald Driver he had Javon Walker he had Bubba Franks he had Amon Green in the backfield now running back I could say with Jones we're okay with running back but what did they draft a running back unbelievable um and you can say we have Adams but these the depth of the weapons at the skill positions isn't what it was back when Favre was there. And I think the most important key here is the trading up versus just letting them fall to you. If, well, yes. So in two parts, in two parts, one was in Rogers draft, there was talk of him going number one. It was Alex Smith or it was Aaron Rodgers. They were, they were equivalent I shouldn't say equivalents go. They were they were similar. They, their prospect grading was similar. There was a debate about who should have been picked first or second out of all of the quarterbacks. First or second of the quarterbacks. In this draft, there were three quarterbacks drafted before Jordan Love, and there was not really a question outside of upside of Jordan Love of whether he should face those top three. If one of those top three, if Justin Herbert fell to 30, and the draft, Packers drafted Justin Herbert. I think there's a lot less talk about this. Or if Tua, because of his injury risk, draft, I mean, that would be unthinkable. I mean, that would be more unthinkable than Rodgers dropping to 24. Um, then you could kind of have this comparison. But the Packers were sitting there at 30, and if and not the second-best quarterback in this draft, the fourth-best quarterback in this draft was available but not at 30, they traded up to get him. So they traded resources to get him, and it was the fourth best quarterback <clears throat> from a prospect standpoint in this draft as opposed to the second. It's just so vastly different in kind of the type of quarterback you're getting. And I've spent too much time on this, Marla. I apologize. <laughs> it's just <clears throat> I have spent four days now trying to wrap my head around this and figure it out. And look. Maybe Jordan Love will be really good, and we will literally hand the baton from a Hall of Fame quarterback to a Hall of Fame quarterback no, to a Hall of Fame no, quarterback. From my no, lips to God's ears, no, Marlo, maybe that no, happens. No. And then you can play this back for me, and I can look like an idiot. That's fine. But that has happened a handful of times. I'm trying to think. go off the top of my head. Five times? Four times? In the NFL? One of them happened to be in Green Bay. It's not likely. And to spend draft capital 
that it will happen when you have one of the best quarterbacks of all time <clears throat> uh, currently on your team and a chance to improve that team to make one last run with him. I don't understand the G, the um, <clears throat> front office's decision-making. Drafting Jordan Love, not drafting wide receivers, and then drafting a running back with the second pick. Unbelievable. I tweeted out after the draft, that was a fun pretend draft. When does a real draft happen? Because I just, I honestly did not want to believe that that was what the Packers did. But here we are, Marlo. Here you are. Then they drafted it inside linebacker from Minnesota and offensive lineman. Offensive lineman was depth is uh, added bonus. I think those were good drafts. Draft picks uh, in middle, middle linebacker out of Minnesota. I don't know. We'll see. Doesn't seem like a great pick, but we'll see. Um, that's Packers draft. Questions, Milo. Questions. I'm ready for your questions. That's it. I'm ready for your scorn. <laughs> oh, my God. So, but I, was, I, I when this went down, obviously, Packer Nation had, they went like the three steps. At first, yeah. they're like, what? <clears throat> then they had the step of uh, trying to talk themselves into it. Uh, this is just like the Farve. This is just like the Farve and Rogers thing. It's fine. Everything is fine. And then they, and then for the most part, most fans, most from what I've talked to, have come to the conclusion that was not very smart. Um, yeah. And I do agree that if he had felt to, it'd be totally different than trading up to go get him. Yeah. Especially in like even even back then when Rogers was taken, it was totally like in the NFL, it was totally fine to have a quarterback taken in the first round, and like he didn't play right away. But in like right. twenty in twenty twenty now, if you take quarterback in the first round, like you're pretty much expecting to play first year, if not second, for sure, right? Um, so I thought that was I, I I think that was the biggest thing for me was like taking the quarterback in the first round, drafting up when you know Rodgers has, I mean at the very least like three more good years in him, right? Um, yeah, you think? Yeah, you would think, and I just I don't know. I, I I don't ask me. I don't know much about the player. The kid, baby, he's great. I don't know, but it just it seemed it seemed very bearsish. And uh <laughs> I think yeah. So that got to me. So I, I, I thought that though I don't know. Maybe it'll turn out and maybe I will be the like you'll play this back and I'll be I was dancing on people's graves and then he will be yeah, they'll torch they'll pass the torch and I have to sit around for another fifteen years and watch some other quarterback be good on the Packers. Hope not. But I mean, we'll see. Yeah, I, but <laughs> that's you have to. I try to. Rem- you have to know. You have to know he's going to be great to do such a thing. And even kind of thinking back to the Rogers thing, it was. I'm trying to remember the draft again. It was. It was, was Alex Smith and Rogers. It, but it was like Rogers has this upside, this potential, and like it, kind of. If it was Tua, it would be similar. Similar, I think it's just, it's just so strange. And for the Packers, again, I was harking on wide receiver the whole time. T. Higgins was on the board. T. Higgins went uh, with the first pick in the second round out of Clemson, and uh, Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC went uh, with the second pick to the Colts in the second round. So it's like these two wide receivers who would immediately help this team were there. The fact that T. Higgins was available was a shock to me. I thought he was going to go in the teens maybe early 20s but like some of the wider series got jumbled up on draft day from from what was kind of being mocked out there 
But these two wide receivers who come in and help this team now and just to draft a quarterback who... I don't know. I mean, I think they, they just got cute with it. I think they just sat there and thought, hey, remember when Ted Thompson or whoever did it? I don't even know if it was Ted Thompson at the time. I'm doing this in memory. Uh, you know, they made their career because of this decision. We're going to do a similar thing. And I just... It's crazy. I don't know. It's crazy. Um, all right. I did enough on it. Um, anything else on the Packers draft, Marlo? Uh, you want to? No. You no. want to? You you want to talk about? I did no, like the good. offensive lineman picks. I did like those. Those were fine. Um, but the fact that they didn't draft a wide receiver, and I was going to count how many wide receivers drafted. It was like twenty five. None, none of them went to the Packers, and then right after they signed a uh, wide receiver out of Michigan State. And they're like, see, we got a wide receiver undrafted. <laughs> and it's like, you jerks, you jerks. Um, all right. That's Packers draft, Marlo. Uh, I am a bewildered fan after this. Um, very frustrated um, with with how it went, um, just out of my expectations coming into, into how I thought that the Packers could improve their team. And they improved it in adding depth to positions where they're really, really good. I asked my wife. I said, hey, Mrs. Badger fan, <clears throat> what is the one position that you think the Packers don't need to draft? What position do you think they're the strongest at? And she looked at me kind of confused because the answer is obvious. and says quarterback. And I said, and that's what they drafted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And I didn't ask her about the second one because I don't. If you'd asked me what the second strongest position was for the Packers, depth-wise, you might say edge rusher. But I'd probably say running back, and that was their second pick. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, all right. That's Packers-Bears, Marlo. That's Packers. I will, uh, I will run through the Bears because I want to talk last dance. Um, yeah, sorry. My bad. The... the the Bears. I'm just going to address the elephant in the room, okay? I don't even know why everyone made this such a big deal. Yeah, they, they had their first pick was in the second round. Yeah, they drafted a tight end. Yeah, they had nine other tight ends on their roster, but they all were crap. And this was the best tight end in the draft, and they needed a tight end. I don't understand. It was a fine pick. Obviously, not all nine of those tight ends are going to be in the roster. They were just kind of there because, hey, we'll see what happens. We don't know what's going to happen in the draft. Maybe we'll make lemons out of lemonade. Uh, or make lemonade, <laughs> lemonade out of lemons. But it's fine. I don't. I think when when he draft when the uh, when they drafted their four three Cole Cole. I just don't even say his last name. Commit, commit, whatever from no, Notre Schmitt? Dame. No idea. Yeah, from Notre Dame. Thought it was a good pick. Like on the surface, it's a good pick. They need a tight end. He was a solid tight end that will probably you know it's he can block a little bit. He can definitely catch and run. Um, he's he's not your typical or I shouldn't say typical, but. You're, uh, he's a true tight end, I should say. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we picked Jimmy, Jimmy Graham as a, as a free agent. We all know that was stupid. But yep. <laughs> I think this was – I think it was a solid pick. And the rest of the draft, that is totally up for debate. But, you know, the, the tight end pick, I thought that was kind of overblown. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um, yeah, the fact they have – had nine tight ends was ridiculous. The fact that they signed Jimmy Graham was ridiculous. That doesn't mean they didn't need a tight end. 
Uh, it was definitely a need. I think there were other needs on the Bears that you could have addressed, but I think tight end, despite the quantity, was still something they needed. Uh, I like the Jalen Johnson pick, the quarterback out of Utah in the second pick. I remember watching him play in college, which is more than I can say about most defensive backs that were drafted. And you're, yeah, uh, you were big in the Pac-12 after dark. That's right, Pac-12 after dark. Some big games against USC. Um, I just remember, I remember, remember the name, which yeah. is uh, something, which is something. Uh, and then after that, I don't know any of the other players that they drafted. So, yeah, well, but they drafted uh, a freaking wide receiver. Yeah, they did. Uh, Ryan Pace continuing his his stance of just drafting players from small schools. Yeah, uh, it just seems to be like what he loves to do. Can play from Tulane, Georgia State, or yeah, Tulane, Georgia State, and Tulsa, uh, Tennessee State, uh, Tennessee State, Georgia State. Okay, anyways, yeah. So we'll see. I don't even know. I don't know these players. Um, yeah, we'll they see. didn't get their safety, but that's probably the only thing they could lead. And all the rest of it's like we'll see. They, I, I feel like he keeps trying to play this. We'll find a di- uh, diamond in the rough because he like hit it, kind of, the first time. Um, Ugh. Um, but hasn't really since. So yeah. Anyways, that's the draft. That's the Bears draft. That's all right. Only other draft I want to mention, Marlo, is the New England Patriots, who drafted in the second round a safety out of Lenoir Ryan. Uh, <laughs> then they drafted a defensive end out of Michigan, a linebacker out of Alabama, two tight ends in the third round, and a place kicker in the fifth round. Um. Nice. It's genius because it's Bill Belichick. If anybody else did this, <laughs> it's the worst draft ever. They would laugh them out of their GM job, but it's Bill Belichick. Uh, or maybe the dog. Maybe the dog uh, that was sitting in his chair for part of the part of the draft uh, made those picks. I'm not sure. Uh, but it's it's just he's earned the ability to do these sorts of things. Yeah. But watching those highlights from <laughs> Lenoir Ryan was hilarious in this fifth pick of the second round. He wasn't going to be available later. Other teams are going to come up and snatch him. I don't know. Maybe, but absolutely hilarious from the Patriots. All right, Mel, we talked too much about the NFL draft. That's my bad. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's just because we miss it. We love it. The NFL. Fine, we have to talk some new football. Well, the Packers, good. if the Packers just did a normal draft, I would have been like, boom, boom, wide receiver, inside linebacker. Let's go. Ready for next year. We're winning the division. Now I'm like, what the hell is this team? <laughs> Not where I wanted to be. All right, let's move on to the last dance. All right. Here Not you go. Week break. I need I need oh, to get a break. break. Okay, before yeah, last right. dance, take a break. Take a break. Uh week two. Last dance. Got episodes three and four. Man, was it a doozy? <laughs> <laughs> was it a doozy? These are all a doozy, but I just feel, I don't know. I just I get excited every time. So, last dance, it first starts off with, we start off with Rodman. Right? Yeah, dive so right in. Dive right into Rodman, uh, which is awesome because we just went off with Scotty and, and Michael, and, and then obviously Rodman was the the one that's not like the other, let's just say. Yeah, he's, um, well, as Rodman puts it, you talk about the great Michael Jordan, the great Scottie Pippen, the great Phil Jackson. They take me away. Do they still win? I don't think so. <laughs> and I think he, I think he has a point, somewhat of a point. Uh, I think he brought, as uh, Liam Neeson says, a certain set of skills 
to to the table and I don't they probably still win if he's just like I don't know some other random power forward perhaps but he definitely made it easier he definitely allowed the the dynasty to be six titles um and so it was it was weird because it was kind of split they came in with Rodman and then they went away from Rodman for a bit and then they came back so like the the story of Rodman was kind of kind of split but they kind of had to let us know who he was you know, back in time, kind of talked about his time on the Pistons, which I think that kind of got lost in my memory that he was like one of the ones beating the shit out of Jordan. Yeah. And then, and then they came on his team after a very weird, weird situation. Uh, and then they dived into the Rodman backstory and I like, they're like, they did the kind of clock thing where they went back in time. Yep. And I was like, I kind of like readied myself. I was like, I don't know if I'm, re- <laughs> I'm ready for brace yourself. What the I had no idea what to expect. Uh, if what the Rodman backstory was, and that's probably a whole documentary in and of itself. And they just oh, kind of gl- sure. they gloss over it. But he gets yeah. <laughs> he gets kicked out of his house essentially. Lives yeah. on the street for two years, and similar to the Jordan story, where where Jordan's like. I looked at the cocaine room and I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Rodman's like, I could have been a drug dealer. I could have been dead. I, you know, watched people get high all day. And I was just like, nah, I'm going to go work out in the gym. And it's like, uh, so weird to think like at any point he could have just like, not that he didn't succumb to any, you know, any vices or anything. I'm not trying to say that he was a saint or anything, but like he avoided the worst out of sheer like nah I'm good (laughs) (laughs) which which is crazy yeah I I think especially when you you know because we all have the forefront image of of Rodman in our head of our memory right yeah we know the wild guy we know the guy colored hair like he was off doing whatever and then it's like to get to have that moment that he actually had that was like oh well we could have not had Rodman at all yeah I think um what got lost to me? I, f- I totally forgot. I fully forgot he was on the Spurs. Uh, yeah, yeah. I remember being on the Pistons. Yeah, I remember being on the Pistons because he was part of the Bad Boys. And then right. I, I don't know why I thought I just totally blinked on the Spurs, and that's where and that's when like Rodman became this Rodman, <laughs> for lack of better words. Um, yeah, and that was kind of lost to me. And I think about it, I was like, how did he ever survive a day in that organization? Because <laughs> that is a total opposite of what Rodman was. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there was a that he went to he went to the Spurs, started dating Madonna. Which yeah, yeah. Side note, he just dated Madonna. They they brushed over that so fast in my book. yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, that that was something. The interviews him. He went to Southeastern Oklahoma State University, and just seeing young Rodman being interviewed was so jarring. To then cut to him in his current, you know tattooed and um pierced self and it's just like you see this young kid uh just again like when jordan was a young kid like i just want to you know help the team uh it's just so jarring um just kind of know how his story ends to 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 see him there was so different um one of the most interesting things i i i I like to ride man he realized that defensive rebounding were his skill set and that he could be elite at those things so he would grab his friends as he says at two or three in the morning <laughs> and tell them to go shoot and he would practice rebounding and when he was describing 
reading rebounds. If Jordan shoots here, it's going this way. If this guy shoots his like it bounces off this different. He has a better rotation, so it goes this way. And he's like describing and like acting out how he'd react to this was like next level. Uh, that was one of the coolest things. Uh, just hearing how much craft he put in there, that art of rebounding. And obviously, there's the athleticism part where, like, he had he was able to what was it? He could jump twice like faster than anybody. That kind of stuff is important. But like how he studied and thought about how to rebound, like everybody else thinks about scoring, was so cool. Yeah, that that scene I thought that was it. Kind of kept going, and in my mind, I was like, in real life, how many of these did he do? How long did he go (laughs) on? How many names did he actually name? Like I wanted to see the uncut footage of that. The uncut version, how, yeah, the uncut version. See, like how long he went and how much was cut. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be interesting. Uh, early, early quote: Chuck Daly, uh, by Rodman. You just leave him alone. You don't put a saddle on a Mustang. Great quote. <laughs> you don't put a saddle on a Mustang. That was a good quote. So it went from the Rodman story, which we'll get back into, I think, in a little bit, uh, to early MJ, early years. Out is the first coach from the first episode. I forgot his name already. Doesn't matter. In comes young Doug Collins. Yeah. And new young coach. And it, it was really striking kind of talking about going back and watching <clears throat> uh, young Dennis Rodman talk. Watching Doug Collins. He's like this elder statesman of the game now. He's yep. like this polished veteran. And then going back and seeing him in huddles and locker rooms like swearing and being the young energy guy. <laughs> yeah. It's it was it was so weird to see um him him do that, bring in energy and stuff. So he's obviously the coach for the time being, as we'll find out in a little bit. Uh my favorite scene of young Doug Collins is the Chicago sports casino on the bus or maybe the plane. I'm not yeah. sure what it was, but just like just what we know about Jordan. He's <laughs> gambling proclivities and they're just, just money's on the table. They're just having a great time. Um, and then the Collins first game, sweating bullets. Nervous all get out. Jordan hands him a glass of water, says, Coach, I'm not going to let you lose your first game. Yeah. Scores 50 points. They win. So cool. Oh, man, it was so cool. Yeah, yeah. And side note, you talk about the Phil Collins swearing and stuff. Um, shout out to ESPN for allowing this to be uncut. Or not, uh, I shouldn't say uncut, but letting F-bombs mm-hmm. fly. Uh, truly appreciate yep. it. I felt like they tested the waters episodes one and two, and this one, they just let them fly. They just let it. There was a lot. There was a lot going on. Um, yeah. And it, and, it, and it added to the story, I think, in my personal opinion. But, um, yeah, the Phil, Phil Collins... Uh, Phil Collins, I, or Doug Collins, sorry. Doug Collins. I Phil. He's putting two together. Doug Collins. Um, yeah, I thought it was good because I think, I think for a lot of people, Doug Collins, that, that, like, it got lost that Doug Collins coached a young Michael Jordan. Yeah. Um, and I think they did a good job of, like, like, showing Michael's respect for to Doug Collins, right? Um, especially in his early years where they were kind of, they were on the same, the same page of being winners and trying to, trying to get to championships, not just, you know, playing the game of basketball. Um, yeah. And I thought that was, I thought that was very, uh, <laughs> that was very well, that was very well played out in that part for Doug. Yeah. I think it showed how 
while Doug Collins probably wasn't the best, the right coach, obviously Phil Jackson ended up being the right coach, but like at that time in his career, Doug Collins was the right coach for Jordan. There was a quote in there, Collins says, great, great coaches coach their best players hard. And he coached, and I think that's what Jordan wanted and needed in the early part of his career. Uh, and Doug Collins was, was able to give that to him. Um, I think, so I think that was very important kind of in the formative Jordan years to have that kind of coach. Uh, and again, this is all retrospective, but that seemed to work out for him. And Doug Collins, I thought it was great. He pointed out, and this is very pretty self-serving of him, but he's like, by the time I was done coaching Michael Jordan, he was the MVP. He's the MVP yes, of the All-Star the game. Slam dunk champ. He's the best player in the world. And it was kind of like, mm-hmm. I got him. I got him there. <laughs> he, didn't, <laughs> yeah, was, he, he didn't say it, but that's yeah, what he meant. <laughs> that's, yeah, that was a fantastic quote. And just, yeah, his just stare at the camera, little smirk. And just let it fade away. <laughs> yeah. That uh, and that led to a Jordan uh, highlight montage, which pff, put in early 90s hip hop Jordan montages. I could watch it all day. I could watch it all day. It was so fun. Uh, then they moved on, Marlo, to uh, the first of the, the hills for Jordan to climb or the first um, hump to get over was uh, I guess the battle of the rising teams as they put it the Bulls and the Cavaliers Cavaliers had a nice little swell team over there in Cleveland um, they went 6-0 and against the Bulls did I catch that right in the regular yeah. season yeah, they beat the Bulls six times yep. uh, they met in the playoffs and everybody expected the Cavaliers to win including all of the Bulls journalists um and I guess I'm just going to gloss right to the end on on the Cavaliers. I don't know how much. If you want to talk about the middle, we can. Uh, um, but get, Jordan, get to it. Jordan went up to the journalists. They had picked. Uh, it was the Cavs to sweep, the Cavs in four, and the Cavs in five. And he goes up to the journalists. He goes, we took care of you. To the guy who picked the Cavs sweep, we took care of you. To the guy who picked the Cavs in four. And now we're going to take care of you. To the guy who picked Cavs in seven. And it was just <laughs> such a great... like. I read I read what you're writing about me. <laughs> and I'm proving you wrong. It was fantastic. Yeah. That was that was fantastic. Um just recall. I think what really came out in this episode as whole, and that was kind of the start of it, is like how much trash shot Jordan did and how good yeah. he was at it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he just did it. He would say stuff and then he would back it up. Um And he right- knew all of what other people were saying. Yeah. He um, ate it up. He ate it up. <laughs> And he remembered. It was so crazy. Yeah, he kept it with him. Yeah, and so then in that and that that game was you know game five of the Cavs. That was the shot. I think most people of our age have seen it. Yeah. Um, whether just a highlight or he's been in many commercials, but he hits that he hits that shot to win the game and the series. And what I didn't know, which was a awesome like I was just like a little kid when they let me know when he's pumping his fist. And he's shouting, and he's he's saying, "Go to F home, go to F home, go to F home." <laughs> I had no idea that's what he was saying, and that was uh, that just brought joy to my heart uh, to let me know that Michael was just telling everyone to go home, including the reporters. And then the first thing he said when reporters stuffed the, <laughs> stuffed the uh, microphone in his face is like, "Just what you were saying. You wrote us off, and I told you, and I made sure of that." <laughs> yeah, and that was that was great. He let him know. Uh, yeah, that was the, this was the first shot that he made. He goes on to make you know lots of kind of game winning shots and stuff, but this was the first one. 
And I think just the, the reaction from him on this one was so pure and so violent um, that, it, <laughs> that, it, that, it's, that it stands out. Uh, the thing I liked about how they covered the shot, that shot, except the shot, he has so many. Um, yeah. Ron Harper talking about it was, was absolutely fantastic. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> obviously, Ron Harper plays other, other roles in this, uh, in this story. But uh, he was on he was on the Cavs at the time, and he's in the huddle and tells the coach whoever the hell the coach was. He goes, "I got I got MJ. Uh, he probably was the best on the ball defender." And they go in the huddle and they go, "All right, we're gonna put Elo on MJ." <laughs> and Ben Harper just says this like, "You gotta be effing kidding me." <laughs> <laughs> Comment. And it, it's just oh no no he says yeah man whatever f this BS <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. After after this BS, uh, Jordan has a shot over Elo. Uh, as he's like triple team. So I don't. Rod Harper can sit there and say like, I would defend him better. How long he hangs in the air on yeah. that shot, and how late he releases that ball, yeah. uh, is absolutely unbelievable. And I, it's it, one of the all time shots. And even with all the shots Jordan made, I think if you if I remember Jordan's shots, it's top two probably. Yeah, that easy. that that in the push off one, alleged uh, push off. That in yeah the the last the one we'll, we'll see at the end of this. But yeah, we'll see at the end of this. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, his his first shot. Jordan says we got over the hump of the losers mentality in this game, uh, and they thought they thought they could win. Um, they go on in this season to face the Pistons. They weren't quite yet ready for the Pistons. Um, in this wait, was that my next note? Nope. We were going to talk about the Pistons all at once. They go on to yeah. face the Pistons. We'll talk about the Pistons all at once. Because, um, again, they split it up like they did the Rodman thing. But uh, we'll move on to skip the Pistons. Let's move on <laughs> to the, the rise. Of, we'll come to them in a minute. The rise of Phil Jackson. Okay. I knew he played for the Knicks. I knew... Uh, so this is in episode four now. They kind of started with that. I knew... Yeah. Um, he was an assistant on the Bulls, but I did not know. So first of all, watching young Phil, tall, lanky Phil run around in yeah. it's he he just moves so weird. He doesn't move naturally, <laughs> even when he's coaching. You know, as a, he was probably what like forty something. He's coaching. He's just his hips don't really move right or something. It's off. And even when he was playing at an all star level in the NBA. All star level when he's playing in the NBA, whatever, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, no, he made an all star game. Yeah. Moving weird, just moved yeah. awkwardly. Uh, it was so weird to see. He's, you know, a hippie. He's got the the long hair, the bushy beard, then he doesn't. And then he's just, it's so weird to see somebody who you only know be this, like, the Zen master. Yeah. Um, to, to, to be young and, and playing was really weird. Coach in the Puerto Rican league, <laughs> people are like, Stabbing each other about it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable background. Uh, and I thought in a uh, kind of key foreshadowing of the type of general manager that Jerry Krause was, um, you know, he helped Doug Collins think about, I'm doing air quotes, hiring Phil Jackson. Yeah. Right decision, but very meddling and kind of against the guy you're currently employing. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, that was, I don't know. I, I don't even, I can't even say anything about that, that, that little clip that they threw there, Jerry Krause. Um, but that was, that was, that his whole, his whole road there was kind of, it was just wild. Um, you know, from whatever leagues in Dominican on up to the ABA, uh, winning that. I just, it just, like, it's one of those things, like, it just wouldn't happen today, right? Just that, that way does not happen today. And, like I said, looking back on it, to know that where the inroad is, it's just it makes it even more amazing. So yeah, I think I think for all the crap that Kraus rightfully gets for getting yeah. rid of Phil Jackson, he should be equally rewarded for finding him oh, coming yeah. out of the wherever you know it was ABA or the development league or whatever the hell it was at the time. Like yeah, he should earn that credit, but. Before he could become head coach, there's this pesky thing called the Collins, who is currently coaching the Bulls and being relatively successful getting right to the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, which they lost to the to the Pistons, and also had on on staff good old Tex Winner, the inventor of the triangle offense. Yeah. <laughs> it's this great. It's like 60s coach who's like drawing up plays for Baylor or whatever. <laughs> like, an assistant coach no <laughs> it's so it seems so antiquated and then phil jackson's like this is what we're doing yeah. this is the answer um so doug's there uh that was just a side note doug's there and he says in an interview <clears throat> midway through my second year i thought phil could be the head coach yeah and the interviewer goes what do you mean by that he goes it's just what I thought or something like that. And it was like, I think he read the writing on the wall and maybe that's hindsight, but like he obviously knew he was on the outs and to this day doesn't take it well, which yeah, can you blame no. him? Cause Phil went on to win six title, nine titles. If you, you right. Know, six yeah, titles but, it, but if you're, yeah, if you're Doug, you're probably like, well, yeah, you went on the titles, but, with Michael Jordan's got even like everyone's argument, and I'm sure in his head he's like, "Yeah, I could probably have done that too." Like, I could have probably done it too. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he gets let go with the, the sickest burn by local news. If you're heading to work today, you aren't Doug Collins. <laughs> was that local news? I thought that was Stuart Scott. Did no, it was local news. Was it was Stuart Scott. It was a, oh, okay. I thought it was Stuart. It Scott. was Stuart Scott. It said was something that was of the ilk. Oh, it's um, fantastic! But that was a good. That was a good one. I've heard a lot. A lot of people hone on on that quote. I mean, ah, well, <laughs> from whoever it was. But yeah, it was know. a good one. It was a good one. So <clears throat> Phil comes up. Doug Collins get fired. Phil takes over. Um, and I this I think could have been a real turning point, and it was semi glossed over in the doc. But um, they talked about how. Doug Collins' approach catered to Michael Jordan. Phil's approach was more cater was more catered to the team. Yeah, and this is why Phil's such a great coach was he was somehow able to convince Michael to give up some of the ball, some of his stats, some of his accolades for the betterment of the team. Um. And 
I guess to both of their credit, right? Phil is able to convince him and Michael is able to accept it that allowed this to happen. And I think there's a scenario in which that doesn't happen. This goes terribly. <laughs> I think I, I don't know. That's it, it felt like a turning point to me. And it felt like there is a scenario in which Doug is kind of thinking about it in today's terms. Doug is a player's coach. Right. He yeah. is accommodating to the superstar. <clears throat> he wants Michael Jordan to be the best version of Michael Jordan in a statistical way. Phil Jackson wants him to be the best in a basketball way, but that doesn't always line up. And I think it could have gone wrong if Michael doesn't accept that. But to his credit and to Phil's credit, he was able to convince him. I think that was a very big turning point in their in their success. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think this is something that Phil, I think the things he gets credit for, you know, and, and be able to handle big superstars, big eagles, but in the team aspect, right? Um, yeah. And it, this was like his first showing. I, I I totally agree with that. So I have a quote here. I'm saving yep. it for my quote of the episode. Okay. Um, going back to the triangle, triangle unleashed Scotty. Scotty was a ideal yeah. point forward for the triangle. Um, that was really interesting. And then we hit the migraine game. Yeah. And I guess the first thing was Jordan's reaction. <laughs> just got, that was game seven. Yep. That's when Scotty had a migraine. Jordan says, he said he had a migraine. <laughs> just like, like he doesn't believe him still. <laughs> After everything. He doesn't believe he had a migraine or, or is beside himself that he had a migraine. It was hilarious. <laughs> Just hasn't let it go. He, ha- he has migraine. not let it go. Um, so they lose, lose the Pistons. So this is where they get back to the Pistons. Um, <clears throat> Jordan was devastated, absolutely devastated. Uh, he went on a training regiment, realized he had to get stronger because they beat the living crap out of him. Uh, and I thought Phil Jackson's quote was really great here too. Um, Michael decided to train and he forced the hand of a lot of other players to improve. <laughs> He's like, Oh, you think the season's done? No, <laughs> we're hitting the gym as a team. And, and that's what they did. And they were stronger. Um, all right. So let's talk Pistons, <clears throat> bad boys, Pistons, probably most infamous team. In the NBA, uh, just their style, uh, roughing everybody up. They tried to prevent the other team from doing what they wanted to do more so than they tried to do something themselves. Um, and it was the last hurdle for the Bulls to get over, the last good team in the East before they had to go you know, face teams in the West. Um, and I guess my takeaway was it, it was a real freaking rivalry. And yeah. God... Damn, I love a good sports rivalry. Uh, see, this this is the epitome. The the Bulls Pistons rivalry, and mostly the, and mostly for the Pistons um, aspect of it. But that was '90s basketball, right? That was early '90s basketball. That's what you think about. I think uh, watching these and watching, yeah, they went over the bad boys and showing like all their their hard fouls. Uh, yeah, <laughs> their hard fouls in which weren't even technicals. Which nowadays <laughs> will get you like freaking thrown out of game. Yeah, like uh, maybe ones and mul- twos all over the place. Yeah, maybe multiple game suspensions, and those were just you know a hard foul. Uh, those are those are crazy. I mean, Bill Lambeer, every time I, I, 
you know, in my mind, Bill, you could show someone you'd be like, Bill, Bill didn't play basketball. He just went around and hit people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's all he did. He wasn't even that good of a basketball player. But I agree. The, the a rivalry, when you think rivalry in the NBA, early 90s, Bulls, Pistons. Yeah, for sure. And just the way they still hate each other yeah. is fantastic. I thought I had the John Silly quote written down. Um, I can't find it, but it was more. Oh, here we go. Uh, I had to go back to the, the first time. Um, you have to you have to stop him before he takes flight, because you know he's not human. <laughs> Speaking of, of having hit Jordan, because they were essentially like they said, how their team strategy was: how bad do you want it? Are you willing to get hurt to score a basket? That was how they played defense, and that's it's so. Look, I, basketball is more. A, we could argue this, right? This is what yeah. our yep. Texas team was. <laughs> it's <laughs> more aesthetically texture. pleasing. Basketball is now. It was more physical back then. Is that better? I don't know. But <clears throat> the fact that you can't beat the crap out of somebody is probably better for basketball. Yeah. Uh, as highlighted by the, I mean, go seeing these highlights and they're just knocking them down. And the fact that he could get up and um and continue to score it was unbelievable. Um the game three shot in this series, he hits over Rodman, and it just seemed like such a weird Jordan hit over Rodman. It seemed like such a weird like a thing to know that eventually he's gonna be such an integral part of the Bulls team. That was really weird. Um This is probably a controversial take. I find Isaiah Thomas in these interviews to be so freaking likable. Whoa, really? Like, wow. I get he's smug. Yeah. But, like, I could see how you interview him and be like, yeah, I'll put the student charge of stuff. <laughs> like, he seems so freaking likable. I don't, I don't know. Everybody else seems to have it the wrong way. Everybody else is going the other way. He's like the most punchable person in this whole thing. I don't agree with everything he says in it, but like he sells it. God, I don't know. I find him likable. I've always uh, something about him is is likable to me. Um, all right, that was my that was my Isaiah Thomas take. Didn't go over as well as I thought. Um, <laughs> no. All right, so Bulls ninety one, eighty nine or ninety they lose. Jordan gets crap at him. Hits the weights. They sweep them in 91. Yeah. Sweep them. It's over. Brooms out. Bad boys pistons are done. They win at the palace. Not shaking hands. Yeah. This was a big one. It was a big 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 moment in history. It's a big moment in history. Still a big one. That's what I thought was so cool. That's what I thought was so cool about this rivalry. They still freaking care. They still... Isaiah is still uh, rationalizing it. He's out there politicking. He's, <laughs> he's, still he's out there politicking about it. about it. Yeah. Trying to explain it away. He sold he me a little bit it. on it. He sold me on the Boston Celtics thing that they didn't really shake hands. I had to grab him. That thing, I sold a little bit on it. But that, it was Bill Lambeer's idea. And they were like, yeah, let's do that. You knew it was wrong then. You knew it was wrong because it was Bill Lambeer's idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the yeah, like the animosity that Michael still holds, that was that was captured so amazingly, uh, so great. 
so great. It's like, let me show you something. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't even want to hear it. <laughs> and this is facial reactions while watching that video. It's head shake. Uh, yeah, she's so golden. So golden. I don't want to hear it. I know he's going to make up something. And then immediately he's like, yeah. the Celtics, he's like, rolls his eyes. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely fantastic. I do think that's an interesting comparison, but doesn't make up for it. Um, uh, watching eyes was fantastic. Horace Grant still hasn't let it let it go. Call no. him straight straight up bitches. Straight, oh <laughs> Just, my god! Can we talk about Horace Grant? I want to talk about someone that, that came up. He was so fire. I just think of Horace Grant with like you know with the goggles and like just being a nerd on the basketball court, and he was yeah. just such a tough little asshole in this in the in the small role that he had. But he's yeah, he surprised me. Yeah. Oh, he's he was fantastic. He was just not. He was not having it. He was not having anything about the Pistons. He hates him to this day. It's he was fantastic. Uh, which maybe I have my I found my uh, segment later uh, with that. Um, so <laughs> the sweeping ninety six, not shaking hands. That that was fantastic. They put the last, I guess, hump behind them. They beat the Pistons, and they go into the finals. And this is just almost like rear view mirror. I they face the Lakers. Magic Johnson's still on the team. Obviously, this is ninety one. Magic Johnson, he's not at his prime. Um, I guess I don't. I don't remember the first three as well as the last three, right? Uh, as far as mm-hmm. our stories, champions team. Yeah. But they go in and they just kick the crap out of the Lakers. They did. They did. So, before I guess before we get into that, building up to it, Jordan's coming in. Up to this point, Jordan's chasing Magic and Bird. He's just a scorer. He's not a winner, and it's which is. In hindsight, it's so weird to think about, but like he has to overcome this narrative that so many players have throughout their career, and he's just chasing Magic and Bird. He wants to be them. He wants to be in that category, and here's his chance, and they kick the crap out of him. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, this was, it was fantastic. I, this is what I I remember this book. Is my my father is actually a Lakers fan, right? Um. And that was that was exactly his narrative. Anytime he brought up Jordan with my little self, he would just yeah. stare down. It's like he's no magic, he's no Kareem, da championships, blah blah blah. And then when this happened, like I said, it was it was in up until that point they had swept swept every series, right? Um, I know they didn't say that, but up to this point they had swept every series that year. They had lost that one game one game to the to the Lakers and when that. And then yeah. I just and that was my that was like the first time I did like a hot gotcha dad. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, I'm nice. like Jordan. Jordan beat your Lakers. Beat him in beat him in five. Uh, and yeah, beat him in five games. And uh, that was kind of like, not kind of. That was my first great sports memory. <laughs> nice. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so game game five. Um, they keyed in on, and I, I want to key, key in here. Um, they were just like quadruple team in Jordan. And yeah. Phil Jackson kind of goes like, "Hey, Paxson's open. Give him the ball." And Jordan's like, "I don't know, man." <laughs> <laughs> and then this is Jordan's interview. He goes, "Pax hits that first shot," and I'm like, "Okay, 
<laughs> it's one of the things. What if he misses that shot? And Jordan's just like, no, nah. on his shoulders. I yeah. got this. Yeah. I mean, it's game five. They still probably win the series, but like, it's just one of those. This the documentary, at least portrayed as this is like his first or his realization of like, I can rely on my teammates. I have to rely on my teammates. Uh, and Pax got hot in this game and they blew him out and they won. They didn't blow him out, but they blew him out in the series, right? Yeah, they blew out um, the series. But they, yeah, they won that game. Uh, it was, God, I can't believe like Paxson's like in this documentary pretty, pretty, pretty well. A lot of it, and he's just he's been know, great. He's been great. It's just funny they get like fired while this thing was coming out. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, that was. Uh, what you, I, I, I just it's so, it's. Always interesting to look back in this because you know we always obviously Jordan was the MVP, um, and then that moment he deferred to I know John Paxson was a solid player, right? Yeah, but very role much player. a role yeah. player, very much a role For sure. player, very yeah. much a role player that he was deferring to it, and like, and then having that having that happen come to fruition and win is just I I think it takes a lot. Uh, for if you think like a person of Michael, like you said, to be like, all right, let's just let's just see what happens, and then actually do it, and just keep going with it, and not have to tr- uh, trust what has gotten you there to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, to go forward, I think you know, I, not to bring it into today's game, but uh, there's a lot of players' downfall is just that. Not going to yeah. name names. Well, I so speaking of naming names, I'll name a name. Um, so early, early Jordan felt like early Carmelo to me, mm-hmm. like as I was watching this. And maybe this is because I was—I've been listening to the Bill Simmons book of basketball, and they've been talking about uh, that draft. I think the other day, I think I listened to it on Sunday, so it was before. But like early Jordan felt like early Carmelo, where it's like this dude just scores; he can get buckets, but like, does he win? And we never saw Carmelo really take that next step or improve his game. And we see Jordan continue to do that. So yeah, I'll, I'll name a name, name a name there. Uh, another name I'll name, uh, that was hilarious. Um, when the bulls won the 91 finals <laughs> in the forum, who's out there giving Phil Jackson, a big old handshake, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Yeah. That right was away. great. <laughs> Jack Just runs onto the court. <laughs> Congratulating him. So bizarre. Uh, so Jordan wins his first trophy. Anything else on the games before I go to the celebration? No, no, that's it in the games. Uh, watching Pippin D up. I had one more thing. I just remembered, uh, watching Pippin D up, uh, magic was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Um, all right. Uh, Jordan cutting the trophy again. This is one of the iconic Jordan things. It's like burned in our memory, right? Yep. He, he wins. Was it called the Larry O'Brien Trophy? Whatever. He wins the NBA Trophy. He's cuddling. He's emo- very emotional. Uh, and uh, Will Purdue, this is his quote. I w- wanted to get this right, so I, I went back and rewatched it a couple times to make sure I got it right. Uh, that That's who we knew. This is Will Purdue speaking. Uh, well, this is me speaking as Will Purdue. <laughs> that's... <laughs> Thanks, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's who we knew. The competitive Michael Jordan. The win-at-all-cost Michael Jordan. Sometimes we questioned whether he was human, whether he had feelings, or just a guy who was focused on one thing and one thing only. The only emotion we ever saw out of him was anger or frustration. We were literally stunned to see those emotions. 
it's crazy to think like we knew he wanted to win so much, but to his own teammates did not know this about him. They did not know this side of him. And he only let it out when he finally won the finals trophy. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that scene right there, scene gave me emotion, gave me some emotions on it. You know, I just, cause uh, I guess you just seen like what he said, like the buildup to get to, to that first point, that first championship. And they always say, they always say, I don't know who they are, but they say the first championship is the hardest. Right. And that's sure. the, and, um, and what he took I found game. that to be the case in my life. <laughs> Still searching. Yeah, and that build up and the and the to finally get there and like he says, let all that motion out was was emotional. Watch Casey, it's emotional. Yeah, and it's. I think this is another thing that's hard to, as we look back on it, to fathom. Right, like we know Michael Jordan as the NBA champion. I don't remember him not being an NBA champion. Um, prior to this documentary. So to look back and see the emotion, you can kind of be like, yeah, but whatever. But I think what's really interesting about this documentary, it shows you what he's gone through. It, uh, now it not, might not be as much as like some of these people who were in the NFL draft have gone through, but um, it, <laughs> at least the rivalry with the Pistons kind of to overcome that, as an NBA player would have to be so significant and to kind of relive that with him and to relive that coming up with him has been really interesting and kind of really eye opening because for me, it's just like, Oh, he just is insane about winning. He's happy. He won. It's like, no, he's legitimately coming over all of these, you know, being able to uh, get over all of these criticism things that were real in the moment that don't seem real in hindsight. So one of the other things I found really interesting in the post finals interview was Magic Johnson who outside of when he decides to quit as president of your franchise um, is very (laughs) um, I was going to say telegenic that's not the right word Uh, very charismatic right and very uh, he was right there saying I'm if we'd lost to somebody, I'm glad it was Michael Jordan. He's the next guy. And it seems so weird to think that way in the moment. Yeah. Maybe it felt that way in the moment, but for like magic Johnson in 1991 to say that seems so weird and maybe, maybe gracious question mark (laughs) question mark. Yeah. Gracious. Uh, I don't know if he had the high, the the foresight to see it and just wanted to like you know now he can now he can like say I, <laughs> I got it right so get off me but um yeah I mean it was a, a game recognized game greats recognized great and I think you know when you just get when you just got pounced you know four to one in a series to the uh, you know at the time an upstart team to uh, what was the Lakers right. The yeah. they were just coming off of their dynasty between yep. them and, and the Celtics. Um, you know, I think it's not, not that it's easy, but he definitely like saw that this was to get where they're at was definitely something of a patching of the torch. Yeah, and then Jordan just saying, "At last, I fit in the category with Bird and Johnson." Yeah, it just was 
it's just again another thing in hindsight it's so weird to to think how important that was or how that was ever in question but yeah. it was and he felt finally that he was he was there he was there with him after that and that was that was really cool and i'm sure and obviously we're going to see five more championships here yeah. uh in the next next couple episodes um all right all right Seg- segments we made up marlo best outfit segment times best outfit uh is there any question? Well, it's no question it was going to go to Disney's Rodman once his episode Yeah, there's, there's one and there's one only. But I think the one uh, outfit was the one he was wearing with the Barbara Walters interview? Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> only, an, only answer. Only answer. He had like a velvet mushroom hat <laughs> and a uh, leopard print suit? Maybe I don't know. Was it loungewear? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. It was somewhere between a suit and loungewear. I'm not yeah. unclear on what it was. Uh, it was fantastic, and then he finally took off the hat, and he had pink hair. Yeah. Unbelievable outfit, and he's like, "I'm going to wear this on national television." And the fact that Barbara Walters is interviewing Dennis Rodman just seems so, so bizarre, <laughs> uh, so bizarre to me. Um, that was unquestionably uh, the best outfit. I I I wrote down I. I wrote down there can be no other, and I was gonna flip out if you had picked anything else. All right, best cameo, best yeah. cameo, Marlo for you. Uh, who is the best? This mi- is easy. Yeah, Carmen Electra. Nice. <laughs> I was that just came. That was it was fast. It was sweet, and it came out of nowhere. And we was, well, let's go back in. We we skipped over this. Let's go back in the Dennis Rodman. Okay. All right, Carmen Electra cameo. Um, Mm, she's doing all right. She's doing all right. <laughs> she's doing okay. She's doing okay. But I, I just the, I mean the the whole forty eight hours in Vegas was a wild yes, story. There you go. Yep. And forty eight Vegas is, is a wild story. And then having like, I just want to be in the room when Jordan busts in the door, and Rodman is sitting there probably butt naked with Carmen Electra, just w- everything that was in the room. I just want an image of that. Like I want to see like the actual image because the one in my head is really wild. Um, and I just want to make sure it follows suits. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they said you got in the middle of an NBA season, you got 48 hours, which mm-hmm. turned out to be what, like 70 something, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, possible understatement of the century. Steve Curtis says they gave him a lot of rope. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Uh Carmen Electra says it's an occupational hazard to be Dennis's girlfriend. <laughs> Great quote. Um, then she says they're so they're in Vegas on this bender. Let's just call, call it what it is. Vacation. Let's call it a vacation. Yep. And then she says, there's a knock on the door. It's Michael Jordan. <laughs> And she hides because she doesn't want Michael Jordan to see her in this condition. Unbel- absolutely, absolutely unbelievable. Um, God, I'm glad you picked that. That was going to be mine. I'm going to go back on one we mentioned earlier and just Horace Grant. Just yeah. spitting fire at the Pistons was fantastic. Uh, I'm going to go with that. Best cameo. Uh, all right. Best quote, Marlo. Do you have a best quote? Uh, I do. I do. All right. It came in hot and it came in early. Uh, it it, it might have made I, I when I first saw it I was like this is gonna be the cameo and it was Gary Payton, nice, uh, and he only came it once and he just came in hot and he goes Dennis Rodman was the f up guy f up person he just <laughs> f's everything up he's a pest he just came in hot throwing f bombs and I thought it was great, 
Nice. Yeah, that was a re- very interesting. Like, uh, uh, Gary, Gary Payton shows up uh, for that quote. It was <laughs> yeah. very interesting. Um, <clears throat> all right, mine is from Jordan himself. And this was in the uh, pivotal transition from uh, Doug Collins' philosophy to Phil Jackson's philosophy that Jordan would have to share the ball. And he says, but I didn't want Bill Cartwright to have the ball. That's not equal property, equal opportunity offense. That's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Just fantastic. Oh, man. Jordan's the best. Uh, All right. That is week two. That is week two. Episodes three and four. Three and four. I feel like there's more Robin stuff we left on the table. Oh, there's always stuff. Yeah. Uh, Don't worry. We have time to come revisit it (laughs) later. Yeah. Needs a vacation. You got 48 hours. And everybody's like... He ain't coming back in 48 hours. <laughs> but yeah, but everybody's like, it's a good idea. <laughs> this should totally... This should definitely happen. Uh, all right. <clears throat> other stuff, Marlo. I got one other item. All right. Love is dead. Oh, boy. Our boy, Jay Cutler. Oh, boy. Chris and Cavalieri. Yeah, man. Are calling it quits. It's over. Damn. Damn, man. At least the divorce proceedings will be on the reality show. Will they? I I presume. Come on. Uh, I don't know. I hope. So. Okay. It'll be the last of Jay, man. It's going to be the last of Jay. It's sad. It's, it's why doesn't he have a network gig? Um, he, ha- he had it, but was he had to go play. And then, and then not. And then he's cool. but so was he, he probably he was, will now. He probably will now. <laughs> he probably will now. I mean, I was going to say who is who made who's made more. <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Probably Chris. Probably right. Probably. I don't know. No, no. it's probably close. Probably. Um, They're probably not hurting. Still have to. Have to go back to work. Um, all right, that's all I got, Marlon. That's all I got. All right, I <laughs> well, think I've talked go. enough. You know, it's you know, what's great, guys, is that you get to watch the last dance and then you get to listen to us for just as long as the last dance is every week. So, I want to thank you for sticking with us. And as always, you can find us at Twitter at 132 Breeze, myself at Marlo JR, Casey at Prof Badger Fan. Still no handle change yet. Nope, working on it. Working on the handle. Too. And by that, I mean, I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys will be the first to know. So that is it for me, Casey. Any last words? Well, until next time, fellow fans, be safe, be well. See you next week.